Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. MWC Church is a place where you can belong, believe, and become the person God's created you to be. Thanks for joining us online. Good morning, everybody. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. You guys already got your snacks in the crock pots or meatballs, all that. Show of hands, who's got meatballs tonight? Come on. Come on, anybody? I'm going to your house. I'm going to your house. I'm going to your, that's it. Just two people. Two people. I'm going first half, second half. Done. Deal. Uh, hey, guys, so glad that you're here. It is Super Bowl Sunday. I think, Jacob, you're right. I think everybody is cheering for those, those Rams, right? Show, who's, anybody, hey, anybody, let's just be honest. We're not going to boo you, I promise. No matter what I said last week, we're not going to boo you. Anybody cheering for the Patriots? Okay. All right. I just said we're not going to boo you. Come on. Don't, don't make me a liar. All right. Hey, either way, you know, we can, we can be united on one thing. Uh, the Chiefs should have been there. So that's, that's, it should have been Chiefs Bears. It should have been Chiefs Bears. Th- those are the people. No, no, goodness. Just kidding. The Saints are great too. I actually, I, I made friends with the chaplain from the Saints. Uh, I was on a missions trip. When I went to Haiti, the, the chaplain for the New Orleans Saints was there. And we were just talking. And he's talking about all these guys in the, in the, in the clubhouse. I don't know what they call it in, in football. I, I play real football, but uh, <laughs> just kidding. JK, JK. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So a really cool story. So I was pulling for them too. I, I'm, I'm not a bandwagoner. I, I, just, I just, yeah. All right. So good to see you guys. Hey, so before we jump into community groups, uh, I just want to say, man, it wasn't it an amazing, an incredible Daniel fast? Uh, the season that we just walked out of, just the three weeks that we, we dedicated to the Lord to say, God, you know, before we start any formal ministry in the church in the year 2019, we wanted to spend time praying and seeking you and, and uh, turning away from our own personal desires and, and things that normally, I mean, they're not sinful in and of themselves. There's nothing wrong with eating. The Bible doesn't say it's, it's a sin to eat. There's a thing called gluttony. That's where it gets sinful. But, but there are times where, where we are fully given up to whatever our, our flesh desires, whatever our, our, our carnal desires sinful or not, like, you know, like when you're driving past Taco Bell and you're just like, mm, they got those new nacho fries, I'm about to pull in there, right? Like, we have these impulses, and the reason why we fast is to literally tell ourselves that we don't give in to our impulses. We give in to one impulse, and that's the impulse of the Holy Spirit. We, we give ourselves over to him. So we went through this season, and we, and we specifically said, God, do things. Just do whatever you want to do. We are, we are more in tune than we've ever been. And God did some phenomenal things. He did some, some phenomenal things through this Daniel fast. Uh, one thing that we, we call the entire church to pray for, uh, one of our network churches, uh, James River Church in Springfield, Missouri, uh, where, where we belong to the same fellowship, uh, we, we, told, we were told that there was two students as they were walking home from, from, from their church, they were walking back to the, the dorms. It's a college on campus as well. Um, as they were heading back to the dorm, their apartment there, uh, there was a, a student that actually struck them with a vehicle, uh, an accident, obviously. It was, it was a horrible, tragic accident. Uh, the two students were uh, pretty pretty badly injured. Uh, one student in particular, they, they had to induce coma, and uh, the doctor said that they didn't think he was even going to make it through the night. Well, we sent out just a, a massive alert that, that we need to be praying. Like, in, in this season of fasting and praying, let our church partner with them and, and just pray for God to bring healing to his body. Well, uh, the, the doctors have, have released an update, said that, that he should not be here right now, but God has been healing him. 
uh, he, he has like uh, just incredible the, the amount of healing that has come to his body that the doctors are scratching their heads. There's like no way this kid should be alive and yet God is healing him. It's incredible to see. Uh, and that was because churches like ours and, and, and believers like us were just praying and believing God to do powerful, miraculous things. Another thing that, that uh, we prayed for is Enhance MWC, this, this new wing that we're about to just renovate and open up to the public soon. It should be like early March, but uh, we, we've been praying about that. Like, Lord, just, just do some things, do some things through that. Well, uh, lo and behold, I, uh, in conversation with somebody, they found out about the project, and they don't even go to our church, but they found out about the project, and they know what's going on, and they decided uh, to donate to us 50 chairs, brand new chairs from Starbucks, like Starbucks chairs. We're, we're getting 50 of those in, in our cafe area, and uh, what would have cost us about $10,000 or, or five to 10000 including shipping costs, is gonna be ours for free. Like, this is the God that we serve. I mean, I can go example after example after example, but needless to say, when we seek God, he shows up. When we seek God, he shows up. In Exodus 33, there's an example of, of this. Moses was on Mount Sinai. The Lord had already delivered them from Egypt. Now they were on this mountaintop. God had given Moses the word. He had given him the, the Ten Commandments, and Moses didn't want to leave this place. This is where the glory of the Lord was. And, and Moses asked the Lord, Lord, I don't want to leave this mountaintop unless I know. Because ultimately, you got to remember, the Lord was delivering them from Egypt and sending them to the promised land. And Moses told the Lord, Lord, if your presence stays on this mountaintop and does not follow us through, we don't want to go anywhere. Moses was essentially saying this, God, where your presence is, I want to be there. And where I go, I want your presence. We decided to fast and to pray because we said this, Lord, we don't want to enter into another year of ministry without your presence. We don't want to go into, into a season of community groups without your presence. So Father, you lead us to wherever we are going. And here's the best thing about that. Wherever the Lord leads, we know that his grace is going to be there. His freedom is going to be there. So we said we're praying and fasting for community groups. We're praying and fasting for this season of, of a new year that God is bringing to us. But as we launch into community groups, I want once again to read this value of our church. We don't think community groups is just a ministry that we throw into the calendar. We desire to be a church that everything we do is moving people closer and closer to Jesus. We don't want just ministry for the sake of ministry. We truly believe in the value of community with others. And I just really quickly want to read what this value means. We have 10 values in our church, and this is one of those 10. I want to read it to you really quickly. It says this, at MWC, we fight against anonymity, right? We fight against anonymity in church, this, this Church Goers Anonymous, where you can just come in, sneak in the back door, consume a space, and some of you are trying to do that. Before I even close my eyes and pray, amen, you'll be out of here. My prayer is that we would fight against that. We're not called to be anonymous in church. God has called us to be together, to be the body of Christ. Uh, no one's called to be a lone ranger in the body. We all have a function and a purpose. Sorry, I'm, I'm preaching. Let me, get, let me finish reading this, okay? We fight against anonymity in church. You don't just live to fill a pew Filling a pew is important, okay? It's important to sit and hear the, the preaching of the word of God. It's been a, a paradigm that, that the Lord has operated under, even in his own ministry. So we know that there is value in hearing the word of God preached. But, oh goodness, I'm doing it again. Let me just read this, guys. Stop. All right? You don't just live to fill a pew, but also to fill a purpose. We find that purpose while in community with others moving in the same direction. Read this with me one more time. Ready? We fight against anonymity in church. You don't just live to fill a pew, but also to fill a purpose. 
We find that purpose while in community with others, moving in the same direction. Now, the reason why we add that moving in the same direction, others moving in the same direction, because how many of you know you can find community anywhere? You can find community at a country club. You can find community at a, club, at a, at a bar or at a club. You can, you can find community anywhere, but we believe this. God has called us as followers of Christ to move closer and closer towards him. And when you partner and, and allow people to come into your lives and attach your life to others that are moving towards Jesus, you find greater value. You find greater purpose. So that is, this is the value. This is why we do community groups. It's not something to fill your calendars. It's not something for you to get a free meal at someone's house or to check out how they decorate. Like, We truly believe that God has called us to live life in community. Amen? Amen. The reason why I'm going to talk about this for the next couple of weeks is is this. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty or less of a Christian. I'm not trying to make you, like, if if you've never gone to a community group, or maybe you went a couple years ago and you kind of fell off the bandwagon, my purpose in in preaching this series is not to make anybody feel guilty or condemned. But but here's the thing. The, The reason why I am addressing this is because I truly believe that if we follow the rule, if we follow the word of God, joy will be the result of that. My only desire in in preaching on the value of community is so that your joy would increase. Your joy would increase. Can I just say something really quick? God is concerned with your joy. God is concerned with your joy. Now, there's two extremes to that flow of, of, of thinking. Some, you're hearing that and you're just like, oh, you just, you just struggle with that because you have probably seen people who only preach the prosperity gospel and it's like, it's all about me. It's all about my happiness and, and, and you've, you've kept that in arm's length. Like, you know, I, I, God's okay if, if, I'm, if, I'm okay, if, I'm, if I'm somewhat okay, but he doesn't want me to be joyful, right? Like, like let's not get crazy, Pastor. You just want to be joyful, right? So, so there's that extreme. The other extreme is this. All you care about is, is how happy you are. All you care about is, is how good you're feeling, and, and your relationship with Christ is, is exactly correlated with how happy, with, with how you're feeling. You, you are, 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 are thrown fully over to your feelings. If you're feeling good, then, then you know God's grace is there, but if you're not feeling it, then, then it, was, it, was, it wasn't that good. Um, you're the kind of person, and I think I've been, we've all been one or the other, um, where, where if worship is not going so well, you're like, oh, well, God didn't move because I didn't feel anything. No, God, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. If worship if the worship team missed every single note, if the, if the pastor messed up, botched every single line, unless he was preaching heresy, then that was a bad, you shouldn't have good feelings. But we believe this perfect middle ground that God is concerned with our joy. He has concerned himself with our, with our joy. And the first time I heard a, a, a pastor hear that, it was completely the opposite of what I saw when I was growing up in church. I, I went to a church. They loved God. They loved Jesus. I mean, they, man, they would lay hands on me at the altar. And like, like man, it was, they were just a beautiful, beautiful church. I loved them. But I never saw people smile at that church. Like, it, it was one of those things. Like, I, I feel like, like the more lines you had on your forehead, the holier you were. Like, I believe that this church... Uh, believe that that happiness and holiness were mutually exclusive things. You, if you were happy, you weren't you weren't holy. You you were you were like living in entertainment, and, and if you were smiling, then then you weren't li- you weren't holy enough. And, and and I believe that God doesn't teach that. The, the Bible does not teach that because when I when I started reading the Word of God for myself and I started comparing that to to what I was seeing, I was like, there is there is a a a bridge that is not being crossed there. I started reading passages of the Bible and, and started seeing that even even Paul. 
says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, about God being concerned with our joy. Look what he says. But that does not mean we want to dominate you by telling you how to put your faith into practice. Paul is writing to a church in Corinth. He loves this church. The church is a little murky. It's messed up. It's doing some bad things. Paul has corrected some of their false theology. But he says this. We want to work with you. Why? So you will be full of joy. For it is by your own faith that you stand firm. Paul's desire was for their faith to be a well of joy for them. God is concerned with your joy. We see also Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. He says this, and literally Paul is in chains as he pens this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 25. He says this, knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive. He was facing judgment. They didn't know if he was going to live or die, if, if the verdict was going to be death or not. And he says this, I am convinced that I will remain alive. Why? So I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the what? Joy of your faith. Oh, pastor, but that's, that's just Paul. It's not, it's not as authoritative as Jesus, which, by the way, all of the word of God is God-breathed, but let's go on. Uh, Jesus says something else. He says this, John chapter 15, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your may be full. The God I serve wants me to be full of joy. The God I serve wants his joy to be in me. God is a joyous God. From the very beginning of time, God has been a joyous God. Look what we see Jesus say also in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief, the enemy, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is concerned with the joy of his people. He doesn't want you to be depressed and anxious and, and nervous and, and, and just, just a wreck at every corner. He doesn't want you to live from, from emotional high to emotional. He wants you to be someone who is full of his joy. We also see him, I mean, even King David say this. King David said this. He said, you make, and, he, and he's talking about the Lord, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Listen, God concerns himself with the joy of his people. But here's the kicker. Your joy is going to be in direct correlation with how connected you are to Jesus. Your joy will be directly tied with how connected you are to Jesus. If Jesus isn't there, if there's this, uh, a, a separation from Christ, you better believe joy will not abound in your life. But the more united you are to Christ, the more you unite yourself, align your life to the word of God, you will experience more and more joy. So I'm here to tell you, the reason why we're preaching on community groups for the next couple of weeks, the reason why I'm talking about this is because I am fully convinced that God's design for us is to live in community. And if, if, if we just align ourselves with with what the Lord has called us to do, guess what? There is joy on the other side. Some of you are isolated. Some of you have become reclusive. Some of you, you just flip through social media and you don't seem to feel connected to anyone. Well, I'm here to tell you, you aren't living in real community. And God's desire is that you would. God has designed us. I mean, you can, you can go back from Genesis. The Bible says, in the beginning, God 
Who is he talking about? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning, God has been living in community. Even when he created Adam. I mean, we're not trying to develop a long theology, but let's just talk about this really quick. Even when God uh, created and formed Adam and he breathed life into him and he gave him a job and he, and he gave him responsibility, right? Like go and tend to the garden and go name every animal. Like this guy was, was living the, the dream, the, the man cave was, was, was all there was. And then God stood back and he's like, it's not good for man to be alone. And he gave him Eve and all the ladies said amen because it wasn't right until you got there, Right? God has designed us for community. He's designed us for this. We, are, we, we experience the joy of the Lord when we do. And I want to read this final passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He says this, So we cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Paul said, It wasn't enough for me just to bring you the word of God. I want, to give, I want to share my life with you as well. Why? Because he loved them. A mark of knowing you love someone is not just sharing truth. How many of you know this? How many of you have ever made a mistake and someone just brought you truth and you still didn't feel any better? But how many of you know truth with a love, with, with love is, is powerful? And Paul is saying this. Because we loved you, we wanted to not just share the gospel, but our lives as well. So my my point today is this, sharing your life with others maximizes your joy. Sharing your life with others maximizes your joy. At MWC, we don't just want to share the gospel, but because we love people, we also want to share our lives, right? Listen, um, do you ever have those days where you're just not feeling it, where you don't want to you know, maybe, maybe go to church or go to work and then there's somebody or someone, a friend who's like, no, let's go, you, you gotta go. Have you, have you ever had anybody like that where maybe you were just making up excuse after excuse after excuse and they're basically pulling you by the ear? And I'm not talking about your mom. Your, mom is, your mom's paid to do that, right? Uh, no, she's not, she loves you. Um, but, but how many of you have had, had friends or maybe you've been that friend? Show of hands, if, if you've been that person or, or have experienced that person, okay, so 90% of our church needs to be in a community group because you guys haven't experienced that, all right? So thank you. My, my sermon's done already. Um, in college, in college, I had a friend who um, I went to Central Bible College. It was a, it was a like a seminary Bible college. Everybody that was going there was training to be a pastor or a missionary, and uh, there was a a slogan. So usually, when when you walk out of like let's say WSU, your your main focus is that next job. Right? Like, how am I going to get that job? And in Bible college, it's a little different. Like, yeah, we're concerned with the job. We're concerned with, with the next ministry assignment that God will give us. But, but uh, one, one uh, marker of, of success at the end of your college career in Bible college or in seminary is, um, I hope I walk out of here with the wife. Uh, like, seriously, that, that's, that's, I don't know why it is that way. I got saved later in life, and I went to college. Everyone's like, hey, you can maybe find your wife. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. But they're like, that's all they cared about. So um, I went to school. I was like, I'm, I'm here to study. I'm here to focus. And if God does it, great. If, if not, 
whatevs, right? Like, like I'm here for the Lord. At that point in my life, I was just like, uh, but here I, I had a bunch of nothing against anyone who's homeschooled, right? But my friends, a lot of them were homeschoolers, right? And uh, they, they were just like, they, they've never dated. And like I said, I got late, saved later in life, but they never dated. This one guy, a really good friend of mine, he uh, was finally old enough to date. And because uh, his mom was like, not until you're in college, because you're going to find your pastor's wife in college. And ended up, she ended up being the pastor. And now he's the pastor's husband. Anyway, um, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, but anyway, so, so, uh, <laughs> um, so, so anyway, this guy, he, he, never, he never dated, and, and then he eventually, which is good, by the way, but that's, that's another series, um, he, uh, he, he eventually found this, this girl, and he was head over heels. Like, she was, all, she was like the topic of conversation every single time. Uh, that, that's like, he fell and hit, like, he loved her. Their first date, he came back, and he's like, I found the one. And, and everyone's like, yeah, man, we're so excited. And I'm just like slipping into the back like, dude, this is not good. Like, this, this is too fast. Slow up, buddy. And uh, anyway, uh, two weeks later, they broke up. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I laugh. He's married now. Don't, don't feel bad for him. He's fine, okay? Uh, they broke up two weeks later, and he was a wreck. Like, I'm talking, uh, we had a policy, like during study hours, we try to keep your doors open for accountability, like make sure you're studying, make sure you're studying on our hall, right? And uh, he was, would have his door open and he would have just music blasting through the halls. He had uh, Dreaming with a Broken Heart by John Mayer just playing. And, uh, you know, like all, all of these sappy songs, like everybody hurts, like, you know, like it's just like the saddest kid. And, I, and I'm like walking past his room, like going to and from class and grabbing my belongings and going back and forth. And I'm seeing this and I'm just like, this guy's hit rock bottom. And I'm just like, ah, he, he'll get over it. He'll get over it. I just keep walking by. Uh, by the time Taylor Swift was playing and he was crying, listening to Adele, I'm like, all right, buddy, enough's enough. Like, so I, I came in there and I was like, listen. You can't, you can't do this. You gotta get over this. Like, like God has a plan for you. God has, God has some, some great things in store for you. Don't, don't, and I'm just like in here just trying to pep talk my friend and I'm like beating him up. I literally do this, you ready? I, I pull him out of bed because like every single time I was seeing he was getting lower and lower. It's like walking by, it was like a montage. He's getting lower and lower. Eventually he's just crying in bed. I literally pick him up, I put him on my back and I had very little tact as a college student. I, I put him on my back and I place him in the shower and I turn the water on. The reason why I did that is because he told me, he's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to, I'm not going to cha- chapel today. I'm not going to church service. So I'm just going to sit around here and, you know, I'm like, no, you're not. So I grab him, put him in, turn on the shower. I'm like, listen, I'm going to come back in 10 minutes. If you aren't ready, I'm going to put a dress on you because you're acting like a girl, right? <laughs> Again, I, I, I wouldn't use the same words. I had very little tact in college, uh, but, but he got the message. He, he got dressed and he just like dragged himself like Charlie Brown, right? A Charlie Brown Christmas special, like going to the chapel and, and we get in there and the pastor is preaching a message that he entitled this, it's better this way. It was out of Romans chapter eight, verse 28, where, where we see that, that Paul is making the arguments that, that God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And, 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 it, here, and it was like one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard to this day. Like it, it was for my friend. I believe the Lord was speaking to my friend, but he's also speaking to me. To this day, my wife and I, because I went to Bible college and I, got, I found a wife, <laughs> Katie, uh, who's at home with our, our little guy, Desi, sick. But um, to this day, we still say when anything messes up or if there's a mishap or let's say something doesn't go our way or according to plan, we just say, we look to each other and we say, it's better this way. It's better this way. My friend walked out of there feeling empowered and renewed. And I, I, as much as I, I, I'd like to take all the credit for this, I, I will say this, it was because of me and some friends 
who threw this guy when he wanted to sleep in bed, threw him in a shower, turned the water on, said, let's go. We are taking you to Jesus. The point of community, my friend, is this. When you are in positions or places where you can't move, someone will say, we're bringing you to Jesus. There's a passage in scripture that I wanna read this morning that perfectly illustrates this. It's in Mark chapter two, verses one through 12. We see a man who literally, physically is paralyzed and cannot move, and his friends say, let's go, we're going to Jesus. Ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, let's go, we're going to Jesus. (laughs) Some of you did it. (laughs) I love it. Mark chapter two, verses one through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, The news spread quickly that he was back home. So Capernaum was kind of a a hub for Jesus' ministry in the region known as Galilee. He would would stop there and stay there, and uh, that would be his his headquarters. His HQ would be in this specific home. It was probably the home of Peter. Uh, By the way, almost nearly all the uh, first disciples were called out of this town in Capernaum. Peter, Simon, who, you know, same guy, Andrew, Matthew, uh, James, and John, about Nearly half of the disciples all came from this one region of Galilee, this one city called Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum was a, a powerful place. Nearly uh, over half of the, of the miracles that Jesus performed were in Capernaum. In fact, we see in Mark chapter 1, we see numerous examples of all the work Jesus did in this town of Capernaum. Uh, he, he raised someone from the dead. He casted out a demon at a synagogue. He uh, um, healed uh, Peter's mother. She was sick in bed on her deathbed, and Jesus healed her. Like There's example after example after example of the miracles. In fact, Jesus even said this, Capernaum, I have, I have performed so many miracles in this town alone that if I would have performed the same miracles in the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah, which would easily, we would say, is one of the most vile of cities that ever existed in human, in human time, in humanity. If I would have performed the same miracles in that town, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. Like that is how many miracles were happening in Capernaum. And word was buzzing. Like it was all over Twitter, Instagram, hashtag Jesus heals. Like everybody was going crazy. People were running and flocking. Like you ever watch those old videos of the Beatles coming to town and girls are just like, ah, swooning. Like Jesus is in town. Everybody's going nuts. Capernaum is just buzzing. It's, it's hot. It's lit, right? So Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying, this was Peter's house probably, and I can just imagine Peter's mom being mad, you raised me back from the dead for this? Like, I'm just kidding. Soon the house where they were staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room. People were like sardines. You had people in bathtubs, like just like like looking over shower curtains to hear the preaching of Jesus, right? People are in the attics. I, I think they even put people in drawers and were pushing them in drawers so they can be in the presence of Christ. The house was so full, the Bible says. Soon there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. They couldn't bring him to Jesus, comma. Let's just linger on that comma. There was a crowd. Couldn't get there. Look Look what happens next. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Some of the, teach- some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, and by the way, the, the teachers of the religious law did not like Jesus. They thought he was a, a maverick. 
What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Jesus did a Jedi mind trick and knew exactly what they were thinking. He said this. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, stand up, pick your mat, and walk? It's a rhetorical question. Here's the answer. It is easier to say to G- for Jesus to say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Physical healing, Jesus is saying, is much easier. But what I've done is dealt with what is further than what the physical thing is happening. I've dealt with what is happening in the condition of the heart. I brought a spiritual healing. It doesn't matter if this guy can walk one day. I literally allowed him to walk every day for all eternity because he is now with me. I forgave his sins. So Jesus is saying, by the way, when the Lord does a spiritual thing, when someone gets saved, that is not any less than a physical healing. That is better. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell the teachers of the law. And they're so focused on, this is blasphemy. And Jesus is like, I just did something better. But then he says this, So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. At that, the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. You just imagine that guy just like, yep, that's me. Rolled up mat, smells, but I don't need this anymore. I'm going to walk out of here, right? They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Let's pray real quick. Father, As we jump into this text, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to do some great things in us and through us, Lord. I pray that this morning we would identify who we are in this story. I pray, Lord, that you would bring every answer that we need. And Father, we pray that you would be glorified in us and through us because our church is seeking for you to do powerful and mighty things in us, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Now, really quickly, the predicament was that this man was paralyzed. He had a physical situation. He, he literally could not move. Every single day of his life, he was probably brought to the synagogue and just sat there begging for bread or begging for food or begging for, for money. And then when he hears that Jesus is in town, he probably thinks to himself, this is my meal ticket out of here. I've seen him heal other people. He can do the same for me. And just imagine getting to this front door and seeing you can't go. I, I would just bet that the paralyzed man was like, well, guys, we, we tried. Maybe, maybe he'll come again next, next tour. Maybe, maybe when he comes back to Capernaum again, he'll, he, we'll, we'll find him in a back alley somewhere and, and he'll bring healing to our bodies. But I bet one of the friends of the four said to the paralyzed man, buddy, we're getting this healing. We are getting this healing. Imagine how ridiculous the notion would have been to the group, the first guy who was like, we can go through the roof. What? What'd you say? Oh, I didn't say anything. And then the other guy heard him behind him. He's like, I think he just said we can go through the roof. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't want you to think this was a roof like, like hay where you just like open it up. No, this was like timber upon tar upon more timber. Like they had to literally dig, pick axe. Like, like they, had, they needed tools to get through this roof. And just imagine being in this room, hearing Jesus preach, and everyone's just like, Jesus is going, and someone's shushing. And, and, and by this point, they're fully committed. They're like, we're getting this guy healed. Like Jesus is in this room. We are bringing him to this room. They lowered him down to the feet of Jesus. Can, can I just say something? This man would not have received that healing 
spiritually or physically, if it wasn't for his community group. How many of us are in a paralytic situation, spiritually speaking, and the only way we can come to Jesus is if our community brings us to him? Some of us need to get real and honest and take a look within ourselves and point out the areas in our life where we have been paralyzed, where we can no longer move, where the thought of coming to Christ seems far-fetched. And honestly, look within ourselves and admit we need others. We need community. Friends, God has given you a gift already. It's this church. You're not called to just sit in a pew. You've got a purpose. And my prayer is that we find that in community. My prayer is that all of us would admit two things this morning. The first thing is this. Let's just take a moment and ask the Lord, Lord, where in my life have I been paralyzed? Have I been paralyzed by anxiety or fear, worry? Is there a bondage in my life? Am I, am I, is there something that I, I'm trying to fight alone and I just can't find the freedom? Well, I'm here to tell you that some miracles only come through the help of others. What happened in the rest of the story? The Bible says that, that they lowered him to the feet of Jesus. And, and I want to re- really quickly read this to you. They lowered the man, verse 5. They lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. And the Bible says, seeing their faith, verse 5, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins forgiven. Note, the Bible doesn't say seeing the paralyzed man's faith. It says seeing their faith. The faith of multiple friends agreeing for the same thing is powerful. It's one, like, how many of you know we have direct access to the Father? We can go to Jesus at any moment's notice, and praise be to God that it's because of Jesus that we, we have that ability. We can go to the Father because of Christ. But there is something powerful when you have others agree with you. When God hears multiple of his children agreeing for the same thing, he moves quickly. Jesus saw their faith and healed that guy because of their faith. Listen, friend. The two things that we have to come to grips with is, in what areas of my life have I been paralyzed? And the second question is this. Who is God calling me to lower to Jesus? Listen, I know we're busy. I know we've got schedules. But we're called to be the body of Christ. We're called to lower people to the presence of Jesus, to agree with them in prayer. And some of you are part of great community groups. Some of you have seen some powerful financial needs met. Some of you have been able to walk with people through divorce. Some of you have have been able to to go to hospitals and and to pray for healing when someone was on on the bed just sick. Children, and I mean, I'm just recalling example after example of how community groups have, have met needs in the body. Some of you in this place haven't experienced that. And here's what the enemy wants you to say. 
I'll go somewhere that I can't find that. But you're trying to find this without community. And guess what? God has designed us to only find some needs with the help of others, the body of Christ. Friends, we've got community groups back there. And I'm not trying to push everybody to sign up. My my prayer is that you would be so compelled, so desirous of the maximized joy that comes with community that you're, you're, you're no longer wanting to be paralyzed on a mat alone and you're wanting to experience the freedom that Christ gives. And because of that, I'm telling you, it comes through community that, that you would just run and say, where can I sign up? Who can I talk to? Well, around this place, there are people wearing community group shirts. Talk to one of those leaders. There is a community groups board back there. I mean, just last night, I, I met a man and, I, and, I, and I, I introduced him to one of our community group leaders and, and we're believing God's gonna do powerful things, but we need community. Can we stand together as we close our, our message? Jesus, we know that some healing Some miracles only come through the help of others. Father, if there's anybody in this room that that has been reclusive, maybe excluding themselves out of fear of what others will think, I pray, Lord, that you would bring a sense of boldness that there's never been before. Father, you want us in community. You want us to live our lives with others. So Jesus, I pray that this morning, this morning, we would make the decision to live in community. That we would walk to the community group's wall, find something that would help us in this journey as we walk closer to Jesus. Father, if there's a friend that we haven't checked on, I pray that you would help us do so. Father, let us not for a second just get down on ourselves and say, man, I have nobody helping me. May may we be more concerned with who we're lowering to Jesus than we've ever been about who's helping me. Let us love and let us serve with such an audacious faith, oh God, knowing that you are pleased when we do so. We ask this in your name, God, and everyone says, amen. Friends, as we close, I want to final, I just want to read this last passage, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12. It says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they may keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And through a man, or and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Friends, God wants us in community. He's given us the church. He's given us each other to love one another, to encourage one another, to bring us and lower us to the feet of Jesus. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for all that you've done. Lead us and guide us as we desire to live in community. Father, I pray that your power may may be shown and revealed through all of us in this place. We love you, Lord, and we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said,
Amen. Amen. Guys, God bless you. We'll see you next week. Don't forget, check out the community groups board. We'll see you guys later. Take care.